people have forgotten, Jason, that selling is about human to human connection. It's about feelings, it's about emotions, and it's about understanding where that prospect is and helping them understand what it is that they need right now. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders who are rewriting the rules of sales and success. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell, and welcome back to the Selling with Love podcast. Now, today's episode is going to be fantastic, particularly for those of you in a service-based business. And I'm even going to elaborate a little more for those of you who might be coaches, consultant, who are independent solo entrepreneurs, some freelancers. And really what we want to discuss is this idea about having a brand, maybe having a presence on social media. And what is the problem that happens when you don't focus on what is the key element that we're going to be talking about today, which is the commercialization of your brand. And the guest that I have today to speak more about this is Mary Henderson, who is an internationally recognized personal branding and digital business specialist. And she has helped countless people within these industries to really find a way to commercialize the brand that they're building and really creating an online business that allows them to scale, succeed, have freedom, help customers and push their mission forward beautifully aligned with exactly what we want to discuss here on the podcast. She's also the founder of Lights Camera Action, which is an end-to-end online coaching program for these consultant service-based companies. And what we're going to discuss today is really what are the struggles that we have when it comes to working into the commercialization space, not just doing all the social, but really going deeper into how to build the business and converting this into a functional business. So it is with pleasure that I have Mary with me. Mary, welcome to the show. Thank you, Jason. Thanks for having me. I'm so excited. I can't wait. Well, we're going to be having a fantastic conversation because I was telling you just before that this is something I even struggle with. And it's interesting because most people see me, you know, host of a podcast. I've done a ton of work with Mind Valley. I have courses as well. And when I went to put myself out there and do the commercialization, I'm even putting my book out on Selling with Love, there's still a discomfort comfort. And I wanted to maybe just kick it off here. When it comes to this whole idea of building a business for your brand, why is it that we have more blocks than when it comes to just putting out social media content? Well, I think, Jason, I discovered also along my journey that if there's no approach to your business, not being strategic and deliberate, I believe, is a really big gap for a lot of people. And this is where the struggle actually lives. It's not necessarily about why am I struggling of putting myself out there or, you know, what will people think of me if I put myself out there? When you really think of a brand, it's actually not about putting yourself out there. It's about a mission and a legacy that you believe without a shadow of a doubt that you can genuinely solve a problem, whether it be a human problem or a business problem. And putting yourself out there is easy when you're strategic and deliberate. In other words, there has to be some level of predictability in that formula in order for you to have the confidence to put yourself out there. So those two keywords for me are absolutely critical. To overlay that strategic and deliberate approach, there also needs to be a system that's wrapped around that, again, that provides some level of predictability. When you have predictability, 
you have confidence. The more confident you are, the more you want to get out there because you want more of what you're putting out there and receiving. Mm, I love that. So instead, we're shifting it to the fact that maybe that hesitation comes a lot from the fact that there is none of that strategic input that's been put into consideration. And I feel like that's really where the rubber meets the road. Like even for myself, I've always had this idea of selling with love, right? That's the topic of my book that's coming out, the topic of this podcast. And it's kind of that mission or that stake in the ground that I want to push forward. But it wasn't until I had that clarity that I felt more comfortable actually putting myself into a commercialization of this brand because now I knew what I stood for. And so I'd be curious to know when coaches or consultants come to you or any kind of service-based business comes to you and has that struggles from going from just, you know, building a platform, an audience to actually commercializing it, what do you think is the biggest struggle? Is it that there's no clarity around that mission? I think there's a few things. So the first thing is that Understanding what you do, who you serve, and what you promise in my world is fundamental. That is where the foundation actually starts. And what a lot of people do, Jason, I see it today more now than ever before. People try and grab onto the buzzwords or the thing that's on trend at the moment. What we need to do is actually stay on the course and just focus on the one problem that we can solve that the one audience actually needs solved. That's the very first thing. And I call that staying in your lane. When you are comfortable in that lane, then everything wraps around that. Your solution, your marketing strategy, your social media presence, and the outcome of all that is the commercialization. So when we talk about lead generation, the lead generation needs to be the effect of that, not the cause of that. And this is where I think a lot of people go wrong. There's an attitude or maybe even a desperation. There's a reaction type of an approach to building a business. We need to be proactive. We need to get all of these moving parts in place. Be very clear on the lane that we're in. Be extremely clear on the one problem that we can solve without a shadow of a doubt. It needs to be outcome driven because that's what people want. And most importantly, you know, we need to also understand what it is that we ultimately promise. When we know what we can promise with clarity, that again gives us another layer of confidence. And this is where we pull people towards us, not push people away from us. I love that. And I want to speak to something I feel sometimes a little frustrated when I look online for these advices that are given and these promises that are made for people who want to build a business. And this goes along the lines of like, hey, are you looking for freedom? Are you looking to serve the masses? There's people that are going to advocate programs, which are going to be like, learn to make money on autopilot, use these sophisticated tools so that everything can happen automatically when there's some people that listen and join these programs who might not have even made their first sale. They haven't even solved one problem to one customer. And so I'd be curious to know what your perspective on that for someone who might not be clear on exactly the solution they provide. Is there an effective way to get started? And should you already be building these very systemized and scalable systems if you haven't solved the problem first? I think, Jason, we're moving into an economy which is almost, you could say, 100% digital. And therefore, the opportunity to be able to serve a very, very, very specific niche, if you want to call it a niche audience, is available for all of us. 
there is one thing that I believe is going to differentiate those people who genuinely can monetize their solution and others who can't. And that is that if you're buying a job based on a few books that you've read, that's a dead end. People don't want that. In fact, I did a survey on LinkedIn a few weeks ago and asked people, what is it that you're looking for in a coach? Would you believe that the majority, and I'm talking over 60% said, tried and tested outcome-driven solutions? This is what people want. The solution must be outcome-driven, not deliverables, outcomes, tangible outcomes. In other words, that I am transformed along the journey so at the end of the journey with that coach something actually happens to me and my business or whatever but the transformation is visible i can feel it i can touch it i can see it it's not just pushing content where i'm consuming the consumption of content lives on platforms like udemy and by the way there's nothing wrong with those type of courses but there is a vast difference, Jason, in building courses and programs. And to me, a course is education or it's consumption of content and a program is transformation. They're two completely different outcomes. And the other thing is, I think most importantly, when you're building a program that's outcome driven based on tried and tested frameworks, you are building a system. And a system has a different mindset. A system must have a goal. It must allow for input. It must allow for output. And there's a feedback loop in between that. That's a program. And when you're building a system, you know that based on feedback, you can refine your system. And then it's like a Ferrari. You can always upgrade or service the Ferrari so it can go faster or any car for that matter. But it's the same with our program. So to me, this is the two differences between the two type of service-based businesses that are rising in the marketplace right now. Mm. And so when we're looking at this, we're talking about, okay, if we build this program, which of course is so focused on the outcomes, and I love that it's also something I highly believe is if you're really clear on the outcome you provide, then you can actually be very clear on the value of what service or product you offer. And then you can tie in a price point of what is the value of solving that problem. And so if somebody's lacking self-confidence, like sometimes it's like, okay, I want to build a program, but I'm feeling a little underconfident about my solution. And I guess I want to make sure that this really brings it home for somebody who's maybe starting or at the beginning stages and they feel intimidated by building these programs because they haven't really put in the work and they haven't really worked with identifying the key people that they serve. Is this a typical type of person that walks through your doors? Absolutely. And, you know, I just want to touch on that, Jason. That's actually a really great question. You know, typically people will start to unpack a course, you know, let's just call it a course slash program. And I always say to my clients, no, you can't start there. You've got to come back this way and you have to define you, the human being and who you are as a brand. What do you stand for? What are your values? What's the mission? What's the legacy? And really understand what is your internal human inventory? What does that actually look like? Let's unpack your knowledge and your wisdom and your skill set because a solution's not just based on skills, 
it is based on knowledge, it's based on wisdom, it's based on my life experience, it's based on my learnings, it's based on my corporate skill set, all of the above. And the key is to capture that information, that data, and then do something with that data. But you can't create a solution without actually understanding who am I as a brand? How am I going to show up in the world? How does me as a brand, how am I perceived in the outside world? And how does that link into the solution that I believe that I can bring into the world. So once all of this inventory is unpacked into bite-sized pieces, then we can do something with that. And that's where we move to phase two, which is the systemization of that inventory. There has to be a start to the journey. There has to be an end to the journey, which is what I call the promise. And when we can build that out into a solution that is 100% outcome, then we can digitize that solution and the assets and the customer experience and the online program, etc. Then the last stop is the commercialization. And that's there on purpose because once all of those elements are unpacked, refined, defined, and implemented, then we go to commercialization, which is easy. And this is where sales comes into it because then it's not a push strategy. You're creating multiple pull strategies across lots of different platforms. That's fantastic. And I love how you've actually got this tool, which is actually defining the promise. And I'd love to see if we could elaborate on that because some people might wonder, whoa, what does that look like? And how is this a tool I could even use myself? Could you give an example maybe within your own company of how that promise is being defined so we could have inspiration on how to use this tool ourselves? I think that the promise is always linked to what does the client leave with at the end of the journey with you you know so for example when people work with me their branding is fully dialed in their messaging is fully dialed in with absolute clarity you know all of their digital assets are built out they're implemented they're done they're available they're ready for commercialization they end up with an online program so all of these tangible outcomes are visible, the client can touch them. I promise the client that when you work with me, I'm going to help you define your brand, I'm going to help you systemize your internal inventory, convert that into multiple digital outcomes, and then also provide you with a layered lead generation strategy. But here's the thing, Jason, I think this is a really important thing. All of this can't happen if there are no supporting frameworks along the way. And it's the frameworks that actually push the client experience towards that promise. The client can see that every step of the way, something's happening and they can see it's the image that they started with when they started working with you every step of the way they can see getting closer and closer to that end promise. So, it's the tools, it's the workbooks, it's the frameworks that one must create in order to support the client's journey. And essentially, what we're doing here is we're saying to the client, you don't have to figure out how to do it. I've already done that. All I want you to do is individualize that framework, make it yours, implement it, and create your version of what I'm offering. 
So to me, the frameworks are the aid, they're the support system, if you will, that pushes the client on that journey towards those outcomes. And with me, it's the same thing. Every step of the way, there's a micro outcome. It's tangible, micro outcome. All those micro outcomes become the one promise in the end. And I think this is where you've made the distinction earlier on about the difference between having a product versus having a program. And I think once you lay out and understand that if you're in a service-based business and you have to design this program, which is, you know, I think the easiest one to put this in a tangible way is if you're hiring a personal trainer, for example, and then they're going to say, okay, well, week one, we're going to work on these things. And then you're going to start seeing results and you're going to feel exhausted. And every single session that you do is very clear with the instructions of what to do. And you know, when you do the work, the results shall come. And I think it's easy to think that, oh, I can just like, you know, throw up a course and people will figure it out. But that's not the reason people want to be handheld. They really want to be taken through with confidence to have that trust built into the program that you create. And I think that's what makes it easier to be able to sell it. Because if you're not very clear on your outcome, if you're not really defined on the program, I feel like we use imposter syndrome as a crutch or an excuse a little too often when what's missing is actually doing the steps that you speak about, which is making the promise and understanding that you have a program that supports that promise. Would you say that's an accurate statement? Oh my God, Jason. It's like you're in my body because they're the words that I exactly use. I'm not joking. The thing is that you're absolutely right. Imposter syndrome is another disguise for fear. I see this every day. But the thing is that the only reason we have imposter syndrome is because we don't have a clear cut solution. We don't have a methodology. There's no system in place. A course is not a system. And when my clients design their system, the confidence that they have is unreal because every aspect of their business ties back to that system. The system is the gateway, it's the tentacles, it's like an octopus. Everything feeds off that system. The lead generation strategy, the content strategy, the sales strategy, every aspect feeds off that system. So that when you have that confidence, think about it, it's common sense. I know exactly the problem I can solve. I know exactly the person that I can serve. I can make impact because I genuinely have an outcome-driven solution. So when I'm on social media and I'm promoting my content, it's not desperate, push, salesy, look at me, look at me, you know, I'm building my brand, I'm becoming an influencer. Actually, none of that actually exists. What happens is that I can start a dialogue with my target audience because I know at a very, very deep level all the pain points that my target audience are experiencing every single day. And I know how to start that conversation so I can pull people into my world and give them an ecstatic Mary Henderson brand experience. There's no selling, Jason, at all. I sell without selling. That's my philosophy because my content has the ability to pull people into my world and I want them to experience my knowledge and wisdom and skill set and be able to give that openly and willingly to inspire and empower people 
They may not be my clients after they watch one or two masterclasses, but I guarantee you they probably will tell five other people about the experience I gave them. That's where we need to be. I would say you are also reflecting exactly the mindsets of what I have. And it's often an example that I use where there's some techniques that talk about how to do the pushy sale or to maximize a conversion. And you mentioned masterclass, which would be like an online event where people can be educated and at the end they can be converted into a customer. And I remember, you know, there are some techniques that speak about how you can maximize conversions. For example, telling stories, not providing real solutions, just drilling the problem and then making sure they buy so that the problem is solved only when they buy your product without giving real value within that masterclass. And what's interesting is when you start, you have to kind of apply your own filter here because I find some of the techniques they teach might take you from, let's say, three out of a hundred people will end up buying your solution. Then you can use these column strong arm techniques to maybe now get five out of a hundred to buy, but what people fail to measure is what happens to those 95 people that did not buy. And you just said it. You said they go and speak to five other friends. If you've designed the experience from the start to be value first, and that's something I highly advocate for. And I'm glad that you have that same mentality. And I would say for everybody listening, this is going to be the next generation of effectiveness, because if you're still operating from a fear-based scarcity place of making your commercialization happen, you will not be able to stand out as a powerful brand that has trust and that gets people's attention because you deserve it. You've given value first. And by the way, for everybody here that's loving the conversation so far and wants to connect with Mary, know that in the show notes, I'm going to put some links to some further resources so you can actually go and dig deeper on how you can take yourself to that commercialization aspect. But Mary, it's interesting it's almost like the whole idea of commercialization is what you think people want, but what you truly need to give them is the step one of self-identity and the step two of programmization. So if you've done that, are there still some major elements we need to be aware of if we get to the point of commercialization? I think I just want to touch back on that point of you know, providing value and experience to people that come on the journey with you as a prospect, people that are kind of you know trying to figure out what they are actually looking for. You know, you said something beautiful before. This is the new generation. You are absolutely right. Do you remember, and it still happens today, a lot of the digital marketers will actually tell they claim publicly, you don't need a website, you don't need branding, you don't need to create content, all you need is Facebook ads, send them to a webinar and close the sale. Now, these very same people, if you've watched their webinar, it's the same old, same old that they've been doing the last 10, 15, 20 years. So if we take a step back, okay, my whole philosophy is I actually want you to have an experience of not just my brand, but also my knowledge. I don't present like that. I'm all on brand. My visuals are beautiful and I present models. I break things down for people. Now, Jason, here's the thing that I recommend that everyone do. Don't be afraid to give an amazing experience and value in the form of content. Number one. Number two, dial in your branding because it's absolutely critical. You will be the standout. People will remember you. I can't tell you how many people say, Mary, whenever I see that hot pink in my feed, I know I'm in for a treat. So leverage your branding. The third thing is, and the most important, when I'm creating my masterclasses, 
I'm creating them for the 99% of people that will never buy from me. The 1% already know they want to work with me. The 99%, they will go and tell all of their friends of the amazing experience that they had with me. And this is where you get referrals. This is a very, very powerful way of marketing yourself without selling. And people have forgotten, Jason, that selling is about human to human connection. It's about feelings, it's about emotions, and it's about understanding where that prospect is and helping them understand what it is that they need right now. Because not everyone can work with me, for example. You know, you've got to be all in, you have to be committed, etc. For the life of me, I could never want somebody to work with me because I used a sales script to push somebody into buying something that they weren't ready for. I would never do that. If we do that and continue on that trajectory, that's called a brand crisis. That's what it ends up becoming. We need to be smart entrepreneurs. We need to stop pushing, understand the power of being patient and create a pull strategy that builds a pipeline five years ahead. This is why last year when the COVID hit, my business 10x overnight because I was nurturing a pipeline that was two years old prior to that. Those people were ready to work with Mary in 2020. They weren't ready to work with me in 2019 and 2018, but I kept the conversation going. I kept my content fresh and clean and I was giving away amazing value. When we're talking about selling from the heart, these are the elements I believe that are required in order for you to be the standout compared to you know, our competitors. So all of these elements that I'm sharing, these are all the things that we need to have in place in order to be seen, to be heard, to be believable and to be trustable. Mary, you are speaking to the choir, and I think for all the listeners here, they would agree with you 100%. And again, just to wrap up on the previous statement is just this is the path to commercialization. It flows effortlessly because you've decided to take a stand of being one of those operational businesses that places heart and love at the center of it. And funny enough, I was actually reading a book that I felt like I had to read a long time ago, and I finally picked it up and went through it, which was called The Greatest Salesman in the World. It's funny to see that even in this book that came out in the 60s, the number one tip that they say when you do sales or operate for anything in life is to come from the heart and to do it from a place of love. 100%. And we are finally getting the message. And I think, Mary, if people follow what you're doing, they're going to be doing some fantastic things. And I just wanted to thank you for joining me on this wonderful conversations. For those of you who have listened, we talked about what is the process of taking your brand and commercializing it. And we realized that there are some fundamental things that you should be working on to be able to get to a point where you are comfortable to commercialize. Imposter syndrome is there to tell you something. There is a fear. And now we need to go into what will reduce this fear. And as we discussed in this podcast, it's having some great self-awareness and self-identity. What is it that you provide? What makes you different? And then going out and understanding who do you serve? How do you do it? And how do you build a program, not a product? And when you think about a program where Mary really elaborated on how do you design the transformation that the people are going to have, which is based on the outcomes that they're looking for and being tangible on that and really solving that problem for the people that are doing business with you. This is going to be key whenever you go through these steps and realizing that 
Once you've done this foundational work, the commercialization will become easy because you will be more confident. You will be more clear and your clients are going to understand that when they do business with you, it is going to work. And if you operate from that place, the whole idea of this negative connotation that you might have with sales is not going to be existing in your business model. You will be selling from a place of love. You will be selling from the heart and you're going to have people come to you, which is a beautiful way to operate your business. Mary, once again, thank you so much for your time. This was a fantastic conversation. And for everybody who is listening, go into the show notes. You're going to be able to see all the resources that Mary has shared abundantly, which will get you going deeper on this journey. Thank you, Jason. I am your host, Jason Mark Campbell, and this is the Selling with Love podcast.